right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast slash No Laying Up preview show brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook. We're simulcasting this. Hopefully you're watching this on video. If you're not, we are also on our podcast feed. Solly here, Masters Preview Week from the Kill House, DJ Pie. Hello, DJ Pie. Hello, Solly. Happy to be here. Happy Masters Week. Neil is actually running the ones and twos for this episode, so anything that goes wrong will be blamed on him. Hello, Neil. We're fired up, baby. Let's go. TC doing a bunch of adult stuff today. He's got his nice collared shirt on today. Hello, TC. Hello. It's uh, I have seasonal allergies like crazy, so it is truly Masters season. It is Masters SCN. That mute button will be your friend uh, for the listeners' ears as well. Big Randy is here. Hello, Big Randy. Hey, guys. Long time. Uh, great to see everybody. Very, very rarely do we do a five-way show, but I feel like Masters Week, the best week of the year, is uh, is perfect time for that. I think we actually have a tradition going where we do a five-man preview every single year for this one now. So, um, Our friends at Callaway also have a giveaway. If you want to head over to their social media accounts, check that out. They're giving you a chance to win one of the custom bags the Callaway staffers will be using at Augusta this week. I don't know if you guys saw these images yet of of these bags, the colorway of the green and like the, I don't know how to describe it, but it is a very, very dis- uh, desirable bag, if you will. They're fantastic. Uh, I need to see if we can get one of these for the kill house. It will look. Yeah. Uh, Cause we're going to replace the one behind me. The, yeah, the Odyssey ones. Uh, it's out given away good. last week. Well, it's, so, it's yeah, it was given to a, to a winner. We're not yes. just throwing it away. No, no, right. it was given away by us to someone else. Neil sold it on eBay. You can head to their Instagram, follow them, like the post, tag uh, three friends. You'll see Rom, Xander, Sam Burns, Mark Leishman all using the bag this week. Also, keep your eyes on a cool touch they'll be adding to the Par 3 contest on Wednesday. I've seen the pictures. Can't say what it is yet. It is fantastic. For more info on Callaway staffers, what's in the bags, etc., as always, go to CallawayGolf.com. Randy, keep your eyes on that Par 3 contest. Oh, I know you'll boy. be in. Is that where uh, we want to start? Sure. Three contest? Let's do that. What do you got for the Par 3 contest? Uh, I would I would love to give you guys the floor on that one. I'd love to have you guys go first. Fino. Fino. He's going to get redemption. He's got unfinished business. Will Fino you ever win? If you were in the Masters? Yeah. Would I play it? Absolutely. Are you kidding? Yeah. Oh, Randy, I was asking. But Oh, oh would I? No. No, thank you. I, I, I have grown-up stuff to do. I, like, concentrate on winning a, a major tournament. The, the kids and the olds can have their fun over there. Could there be a worse combination than like the funnel pin on nine, the players hamming, hamming it up together, like grandsons out there hitting shots, the, the, all the things that Randy could possibly hate about golf, all culminating in one spot. <laughs> Which almost you got to think like it, it's almost better, Randy, that they all they isolate all of it to one place rather yes. than let it matriculate into into everything. You know, that's that's exactly right. I mean, Wednesday, Wednesday morning into the afternoon, like that's when I'm actually that's when I'm going to go out on the course and do my work. Big, I was trying to get you all fired up earlier. I, I sent over the uh, hole-in-one odds for hole 16, minus 125 for a hole-in-one. I, I cannot believe that. I mean, what a what a damning indictment of just how much that, 
that is a funnel pin. There what do they say the, the odds of a, a hole in one are forty thousand to one or something like that to get to get what was it minus what one sixty, minus one twenty five for twenty five. I mean for sixteen, on. and I mean it's so on. Uh, four is plus four thousand. Six is plus twelve hundred. Uh, 12 is plus 1600 and then 16 is minus 125. The 12 one's gotten crazy, isn't there? There hasn't been one since like 89 or something like that there or 91 or something. Guys, something crazy. watch this space for updates. Oh, later. No. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> be the year. <laughs> no, Solid, where do you want to start? Let's, let's get this thing on the rails. I mean, I don't know if it's if where I would want to start is going to get it more on the rails, but we were just talking before we came on about uh golf channel had a live look at a live cat cam on monday listen we talked about in the podcast last night dude he's totally playing there's no there's no way yeah. he could show up do all this stuff i don't care if his game's not that sharp he is 100 percent playing correct I, well, he's I, trying to pip he's trying he's trying to pip hard <laughs> pip often pip early i'm amazed pip, at the number of, ain't easy the <laughs> the number of comments on the pip for, for the one tournament that matters the most to win I got so many comments about this being a pit play for this mo monetary payout that represents all the things we hate about pro golf. Like that, I'm amazed at the people that, w that went there immediately during Masters Week. How uh, about he's wearing foot joys? That's true. Again, again today. Which, like, of, of all the shoes that you could, like, I, I love, I wear a lot of foot joys. Of all the shoes that you could wear, it seems like wearing kind of athletic-based Nikes versus wearing these foot joys would seem to be, you know, kind of a a, a less comfortable or less helpful for his orthotics, right? I, I'm guessing he knows something that we don't about uh, how that leg, how that leg functions. I, I there's got to be a reason why. I'm sure the Nike people are are not thrilled with what's going on here. But uh, are we worried about Tiger becoming too much of a vacuum? Like uh, they literally, the camera did not leave him for the live look in at all. Uh, and I, I think we got to be students of history here, right? We all lived through the like 2010, and then again in like 2013 2014 2015 all these all these different comebacks we've we've seen how this plays out right i mean he's going to it's going to be all tiger all the time until the tournament starts and then i feel like things tend to settle you know they, they kind of settle back down after that and, and i feel like if this was not the masters we'd be in danger of everything being all tiger constantly all the time and it still might be if he's even in the top you know 50 on thursday if he's in the top 30 if he's in the top 20 like it, yes it, it probably will be all tiger all the time but i would say rightfully so in that case but i think as soon as the leaderboard starts to take shape i mean it's still augusta it's still the masters it's people will have uh though i think cooler heads will eventually prevail but we, we've seen all this before i i feel like you know this is this is a uh, a very cyclical market that we're that we're seeing here I, I thought it was over i didn't think i'd see another another one of these tiger cycles in my lifetime but here we are i, I feel once like once in a generation Trying to trying to you know do my picks today, it was a struggle. It's both a murderer's row. There's so so many guys to pick from that I'm like, but he could 100% win. And then on top of that, there's uh, including Tiger question marks. There's Rory, Spieth. Are we in or out on Spieth? Tiger, is he going to play or is he just pipping? I don't know. So it's like both like man, the field is stacked and also. There's some big time question marks. I, I if you give me like like right now though, like if, if you give me a choice between Tiger and Rory to play well, like I'm a hundred percent choosing Tiger. <laughs> like there's no 
fucking Man. way that Rory is That's even capable of playing well versus Tiger. Like, oh, like he can go out and win, you know? I was so with you, like, throughout that whole conversation, assuming you were going to say the opposite. Like, yeah. No. Like, we got to That's keep how little I believe in Rory. Rory's right going to play well. That he, he really flipped it up. I mean, shit, at Valero, like, the first two holes, he just. He airmails wedges over the green from like 120 yards from the middle of the fairway. Last week like, was tough to watch with Rory. That was hard. Watch this space for updates. Okay. Yeah. I, was say, has well, I got a season-long play on him, too. And I, I also wow. want to call out right now that Randy had a season-long play on Phil Mickelson to win the Masters uh, that he picked in January. That's, I think oh, that's that's voided. voided. Yeah. Uh, no. no. You cancel the know. bet like like Phil got canceled. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> now Randy's being canceled. He's and I'm a victim here. Yes. Thank you. I don't know. You should be punished for for making that pick. That's I had bullshit. some I had some bad bad ideas going through my head for a minute there, where I was like, you know, I God, I could just throw all this money, all these nuggets on Tiger, and then if he WDs, you know, it all gets voided. But I forgot once mm -hmm. you hit the first tee shot. Not how it yeah. works. Yeah. Quick around the horn. Does Tiger Woods play the weekend at Augusta this coming weekend? And sorry, does he make it past round two? I don't know if there's going to be weather delays. Yes. I say yes. I feel like he could get around that course blindfolded. I mean, he has so much course knowledge. I feel like he can show up even if he's not 100% and have a very respectable showing. Do I think he's going to win the Masters? No, but I do think that he will make the cut. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I I totally agree. In that, it's like, an easy cut to make. Not, not to not to. I can't believe I'm agreeing with Neil. I can't <laughs> believe I'm. I can't believe I'm saying like, yeah, I think he might make the cut. But the more I think about it, the more you hear. I don't, I'm sure. I don't. I don't know if you guys heard the Cam Davis stuff. He got, you know, he caught up to Cam Davis while during his practice round yesterday. Played the last like five holes with him, and and Cam was like, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's a little slow going up some of the hills, but like, no, he's hitting it really far, and he's hitting it really good, and he's playing like normal golf it's mind-blowing and when you put that all together it's like yeah i mean the guy has played here what 22 23 times never missed a cut <laughs> like it's 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 wild to think about stinky cam davis i wasn't i wasn't anticipating him getting a shout out he was a you know a student a uh he had a front row seat to history yesterday I wonder how I wonder how difficult it's going to play because I think the harder it play, weirdly I think it favors Tiger. I, I think like par is a great great number for Tiger, and if he can go out and shoot 71, 72, uh, I actually love him to make the cut as well. What's the forecast? I haven't even looked. It's a little iffy. So we have rain scheduled for Tuesday. By the time you're listening to this, it is probably raining in Augusta. It is a hundred percent chance of rain. There's thunderstorms and there's chances of it on Wednesday and Thursday as well. And then we get into kind of high of 66, high of 61 on Friday and Saturday. A little cooler. Going to be some crispy sweaters out there, if you will. High of 68 on Sunday. So I think it's going to help it stay pretty firm. I don't really know much about the wind, to be honest. But we know Solly's weather app does have hypochondriac tendencies though it yes says, it says 100 percent chance of rain every day so yeah take that with a grain of salt <laughs> that, that crazy weather on yahoo.com yes it, it's it's wild you gotta get the windy app you gotta get yeah. the windy app so like, you always use the apple the the iphone weather app you're always sending that shit to us and it's like that doesn't you gotta at least be using the bug well right? they did buy dark skies so they, they're they're piping in some you know the bug's biggest competitor. But anyway, we'll take this offline. Uh, Tron, Tron and Solly, what you guys got to weigh in. We need you on the record. I'm just gonna, I'm going to say Cat plays the weekend, and he does not play well Saturday. He 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 basically uses up all of his lives on Thursday, Friday, uh, and he's going to be exhausted by the time Saturday rolls around. 
it's an easy cut to make. It's 90 guys, and it's, I think it's top 50 make the cut, right? And you have all a bunch of past champions in there. So really, you only got to beat 30-ish guys. Uh, you know, 30 real players. There's all these, There's all kinds of amateurs of bullet, and stuff. A lot of bullet sponges out there. That are not making the cut. <laughs> so, well, listen, we, we do have a special parlay that we don't have the odds on yet that DraftKings help us put together. They let us pick four guys that we think are going to make the cut. We'll cover this later and you can parlay them all. I hate this. You could parlay them all together and, uh, they're going to boost it. it. You guys, this was, we picked, yeah, I picked Cam Smith because have you ever tried to hit one of these parlays? It's very, very difficult. And you guys are thrown out trying to get the odds as big as possible. It's just, it's outrageous. Things of that nature. Let's yeah, do I loved now. Bob McIntyre. <laughs> this one, I thought that was, but the draft King himself spoke, so I, I couldn't know. go against. Yeah, that's it, very true. You know? That's very true. Bob's yeah, playing forward. great right now. He's playing know. great, and he had a great showing here. We'll Come see. on, let's let's just do it now. We're, we so we we went through and picked four guys. Now what we did was very specifically each picked a guy. Now the Schuster brothers teamed up on this one because we can only do four guys. So you'll know if one of these guys misses the cut, you'll know exactly who to blame in this regard. Um, we'll, get, we'll post this on social media when the odds actually come out, but you'll have a chance. They're going to boost the odds on a parlay. I picked Shane Lowry. He is going to show up in my picks later. He's one who have been screaming from the rooftops in terms of playing unbelievable golf. The, the style of play should suit him very well. I feel like he's extremely undervalued, so I thought that'd be a nice boost towards it for us, but also a very safe pick. Uh, Deej went as chalky as he could go. Well, no, that was after Tron picked Bob McIntyre. No, you went first. Or no, no, no. Someone else put Max in there, I think. I think someone else put Max Randy in there. Randy did. Randy put I, Max. I submitted Max oh, just because I want no somebody offense. to root for. No offense to Max whatsoever, but he's literally never made the cut here. So I was saying, all right, we've got Shane Lauer, we've got Max. Like, let's let's try to, you know, get a little chalk in here. So that was my Cam Smith. My Cam Smith. I, I tried to pick Chez, but he's not playing. So somehow I, I you know, I can't believe they're not. They didn't ex- extend Tiger took his spot. Input. Tiger's in, Chez is out. Yes, man. 198th alternate. Well, so so I said, let's throw Robert McIntyre in there. He, he was T12 there last year. He shot 69, 69, 76, 69 last week at, at uh, Valero. He's playing good golf right now. Uh, I'm buying. I'm buying. You guys are going to be thanking me. He's a, I, he's a I, European I just, Team Europe stalwart, TC. He can't let I, us down. I just want to just want to say as his 50 round moving average is below average for a PGA Tour player at the, uh, over the last 50 rounds. So he's not playing well. So just want to throw that out. There. It doesn't mean you're going to be wrong, but he's it, also it's risky. A, but like his last 50 rounds on the PGA Tour go back to like you know middle of last summer because he played a bunch on the Euro. No, no, Tour. it's all of his rounds count in that rank him below a PGA Tour average player. So again, you might not be wrong, but I'm just saying I'm not going to let you get away is- with. Say, listen, I am negative a lot of points in all picks this year. I'm not saying my picks are right. That's just not right. This is not a PGA Tour event, though, so I think that has to count for something. He's got five cuts made in a row, including the Ross Alkaima double. Twice. He had a T13 and and a T9 there. And then he he went T15 at the Genesis. I'm I'm buying. Again, buying. He's been on a heater, too, so, you know. I, I think we owe it to the DraftKings to uh, to to bring that pick into the parlor. You guys are my subjects, Tron. I feel like I have a good handle on this, but for the listeners, uh, any any big similarities between Augusta National and some of the what he faced at at the Raz Al Kamaya uh, <laughs> double out there in the desert? Well, you know what they they set up that course completely differently each round. So just like just <laughs> like they switched up at Augusta, where. Yeah. 
you know, if they don't like the leaderboard going into Saturday, they're Just like, wait oh, you know what? we're going <laughs> to soak the place. And you know what? We want some big guns to rise up the leaderboard. So, you know, who can say? Let's run through some some uh, favorites on the board, if you will. I know we'll we'll, have, we'll save plenty of time for Bob McIntyre on the back half of this show. But uh, <laughs> Rom is the favorite going into this week. Should Rom be the favorite? I'm going to direct this one towards uh, the biggest Rom fan among all of us, Big Randy. No, quite clearly, there's tons of chatter picking up. People are starting to catch on to the fact that he doesn't win very much. It's quite concerning. I I do not like Rom at all. I, in fact, I would say he's not going to win. He's for sure go. not going to win. Can I, for, again, for the listeners, Rom's last five finishes at Augusta, uh, T27, 4th, T9, T7, T5. Doesn't play well there. But, but as Solly established, there's like six guys in the field, so <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. I, I feel like last year he just ran out of holes. Yeah. Like, he was going to win, but he just ran out of holes. Like, early he was sinking, but then as the time, as the tournament went along, he just <laughs> had kept to get that in. bellowing towards the surface. Yeah, he, had, he, he yeah, reestablished his ballast and, and exactly. righted the ship. I would push back against Randy, Randy's semi bit and say uh, Rom has to be the favorite, right? I mean, it, it is, it's crazy how many, it's one of those periods right now where it feels like there's just so many guys playing well that like nobody's playing well, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of, they all like cancel themselves out a little bit to where it, like, I feel like you got to settle back on Rom. He like, feels, like, yeah. Scotty Scheffler, like no offense to TC. I don't want to get you, you know, we've already been chirping at Bob McIntyre. But like, can Scotty Scheffler, who has like very, very little experience here, be the favorite? Like that, I don't know. That doesn't feel right either, right? I, I don't know. I, I, I like Rom up there. I think it makes sense. If it's between, kind of, to me, it would be like Rom, Scheffler, Cam, and then you know, like, but then you got JT and DJ. I feel like Robland and Morikawa. When you and fact, Xander. no, but when you factor all that in, I feel like Rom is the, he is the favorite. Right. I agree with you, Deej. Like, yeah. it, it feels like the evidence is there. He's got experience. He may not be the hottest player in the world right now, but he feels like, you know, he's the buoy. He, he feels like the safest pick for the, uh, for the sharps, the safest pick among amongst the a tier, yes. right? Like there's an, an a tier of players that is all like really, really tightly bunched. All those guys we just rattled off. Right. But and even Rob, that a tier is so deep. It's for crazy. Sure. Like 15 guys. Yeah. That yeah. The, I made it till I usually I am, you know, by Saturday before I've run through every player in the field, convinced myself they could win. I made it till Monday. This today I was like, yeah, I mean, Xander could definitely win this thing. And I'm like, all right, no, dude, you've done it with 15 guys now. Like, you know, I, I changed my pick four times today on who I think is going to win. It's every week I fall, I, I cripple under master's pressure every single year. Question we got from Stuart Watt 10. Rory's over under for the first round. He said 74.5. Come on. <laughs> if he can just get past that first round. I might you know, go seven. I might go over there. Honestly, I know it's the first round. Is like that's that's his. He's that's so he's so in he his own get, head. He needs to get past that. Yeah. The only thing I'll say this is unfounded. We kind of mentioned this on the podcast. I feel like it was kind of mentioned elsewhere. I wonder if if all the tiger hoopla frees Rory up at least a little bit. God, I hope so. You know, and like. Rory has made no bones of, or no, like he hasn't shied away from being massively inspired by tiger talking to him about like how he manages his career, a bunch of like, he draws a ton of inspiration from tiger. And I wonder if literally just seeing him out there walking around and actually playing after this horrific accident and and getting back there and like doing it again, almost kind of frees Rory up and snaps him back into, into feel a little bit. I'll That's say very Rory's, stupid potentially as well, and maybe means nothing. But I'm throwing it out there. 
Roy's numbers are better than we'd like to believe. He's played good golf. The Valero miscut doesn't look good. Listen, the ball striking's been very good. He hit it very good at the players. He hit it good at Bay Hill. Um, Kenny Putt good enough to win this thing. You know, if we're being like brutally honest, like Rory hasn't really ever finished that close to the lead. Like he obviously had the huge lead in 2011, but you know, he's finished solo fourth. He's finished T five in 2018. He finished T five in 2020. It's been of the, you know, he's had crazy good weekends once he's fallen out of contention, but like Rory's close call list is not that deep at Augusta. And it just, it doesn't, doesn't feel like it's adding up like for for to be Rory's time, but uh, so I, I'll I'll put him as my pick not to win. Uh, I'll I'll get to that now. We always do a pick who's not going to win. Uh, Randy already picks. He picks like twelve guys every time we do. I'll this pick. I'll that. pick. I'll pick twenty guys if you want me to. I think <laughs> I think there's so much parity this year, but I think it masks that so many guys can't win. I, I think it actually is much much a group of guys that can win what's our lower limit how far down the board can we go on this who cannot win i, I think it's use your best judgment don't be a scumbag i i'd say i'd say lower than uh, like the can't lay line he's plus 2500 to win i think anything below him is zalatoris is plus 3500 anybody below that is 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 unfair i think anybody above the can't lay line is you can okay. be your pick not to win i can go next sure. justin thomas okay mm. that's spicy He's one of my picks to win. So I know. Yeah, I, I like figured, that. I figured he'd be a favorite around here, but I, I just don't uh I don't think so. I don't think he's gonna do it. Expand on that because I, I love that. Neil, I love the confidence there. I I don't know. I I feel like he uh similar to what you were saying about Rory, like I don't think he's really been much of a factor at Augusta uh the last five years and a lot of hype going into it, a lot of you know, bones is on the bag, he's got a lot of experience out there. But I just I, I haven't seen him, you know, make a run at it at all. So it doesn't feel like a course that he's, you know, got good juju on right now. So I, I'm, you know, that's the, the evidence. I'm going with the evidence, baby. He's uh, evidence based. That's yes. interesting. I think counter to that, I'm excited to watch JT this week. I didn't pick him to win or to not win. But I think the fact that he does have bones on the bag is awesome. I think like that could be a bit of a. You know, again, it feels like all these guys are so when you do get in that top tier, it's like it's got to be so mental or so everything has to just click right for it to be your week. And they're just maybe there's just something in the back of JT's mind when he gets there that just has kind of held him back. And if he feels like Bones is an advantage this week, maybe it frees up a bunch of other stuff. So and I'm not rooting against him. You no, know, no, no, it's no. more I, just like I just don't think he's going to win for sure. No, I, I think that's fair. But I, I, I hope the Bones plus. Like he's been playing really freaking good golf and probably has massive confidence coming in as well. Sure. I hope it hope it adds up because I would love to watch it. God, I'm sitting here changing all my plays already. Three out of my five plays since we've been on the call. You got a serious look on your face. I'm like, oh God, things did not look good at TC's house. I I'll say I like JT them. to finish top five this week and he'll be in those picks. I don't think he's gonna win. Uh he's not my pick not to win. I'm not as ballsy as Randy, but uh I think the bones thing is gonna help him. And also just like just feel like it's worth mentioning at some point. Ted Scott on Scotty Scheffler's bag is not nothing. I think around that place, I think there is something inherent about making decision making. And then on the back half of this, if you're listening on the podcast, we talked to John Wood for about 40 minutes, just talking about caddying at Augusta and all the things he's learned over the years. It's it's definitely a nerd fest, but I think you'll you'll enjoy listening to that. If you're watching this on video, please head over to the podcast feed and check that out um, as well. So, did you have a pick not to win? Uh, yeah, I'll say. Apropos of nothing, I'm going to say Morikawa. Uh, don't know why. Obviously, 
you know, ball strikers win here and he's maybe the best one out there, but uh, I don't know what it is. There's just, it's, it's a little bit like your JT pick Neil, you know, not, not a ton of rhyme or reason. Just, I, I think going out and watching him get uh, eviscerated at the players uh, went out in that horrible, horrible weather day. And just seeing some of the shots he hit, I was like, Ooh, I can't, can't really unsee any of that stuff. That was, that was, uh, that was interesting. And uh, that I haven't quite been able to dry off from that yet. Randy, who, how many guys are you going to name are not going to win? I, I mean, how much time do we have? We have a limited amount of time, but I want to see how many you can get in. Well, we can start with Finau. We know he's not going to win. Oh, you yeah. can take every Englishman off the board. None of them are going to win. <laughs> uh, Victor Hovland is not going to win. He's going to have to hit too many delicate chips. I, I don't like him. God, who else is in the, the top of the – I don't think Cantlay is going to win. Xander? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one Xander yeah for sure he's not gonna win he's <laughs> not gonna win uh Speed? how's that no Speed is gonna win oh yeah, and I like Brooksy too and I like DJ and I like Morikawa and maybe JT TC did you have a pick not to win I'm gonna go with Xander I, I think you know that shot he hit on 16 flushed and, it and, yeah I don't know I just don't I just don't see it with him, man. Like the sum of his part, he's so freaking good, but the sum of his parts is like less than, than what it should be. I don't know. He's like the opposite of JT to me. He's been sniffing around at Augusta for the past three or four years, which you know? proves to me that like he's, but, but like, I feel like JT likes Augusta. His game sets up well for there. He just hasn't put it all together. Whereas Xander has put it all together and he just hasn't won, which Seems is more like concerning has to me. JT hasn't had like his week there yet. Sure, he hasn't yeah, had. Alexander's had, the scars. had like four of his weeks there already. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Why don't we? Uh, we'll take a get to a few more questions here, but I think we should get our picks in while uh, while we're hot, while we're blazing. We, we've hinted at them too long. It's time to get right into them. Golf season, obviously, in full swing. You get can get in on all the action on the fairway with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can bet five dollars on golf's first major and get $25 in free bets for every birdie Bryson DeChambeau sinks in the first round. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join in on the excitement of co on the course with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Golf Contest. I'm going to go so deep on those this week. You guys have no idea. Uh, this week, new customers can make their first deposit and play for free for play free for the million dollar top prize draft your lineup of six golfers while staying under the salary cap rack up points for birdies eagles and more DraftKings is safe secure and reliable best of all you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want so download the DraftKings sportsbook app now use promo code nlu bet five dollars on golf's first major and get 25 dollars in free bets for every one of bryson's birdies in the first round join the action with code nlu only at the DraftKings sportsbook 21 and older restrictions apply see show notes for details i was i was um draft Kings didn't have odds up for uh, the dude perfect video because I would have faded the yeah. shit out of Bryson. It was clear he was not clear he he was he was going to fade on thirteen. We've also got an NLU DraftKings fantasy competition going live. Uh, if you listen to this Tuesday, it should be live, but definitely by Wednesday. Got some prizes. Should be a good payout in there. Get involved. How can people find that? Uh, we can sign up for the newsletter, and we'll probably tweet it. We'll probably blast it out across all the platforms. So <laughs> if you're watching this, you probably know where to find it. Sally, I'm going to get in with you on the DFS stuff this week. It's a, it's, it's always so fun. a fun week to do it. Yeah. It's not fun when John Rom costs you like $16,000 by shooting 64 in the last round of the British Open, but the rest of it's really fun, I promise. So, All right, well, why don't we turn it over to our king, TC, our North Star. Can't cool him off. He's just hot. He wins every week. God, uh, Sneds missed that that shorty yesterday. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to get 
a ton of sympathy for that one. I felt for you a ton on that one. But take us to what do you got? Well, you got 200 nuggets in play. It's a major week. We do 200 nuggets for every major. Uh, please, none, none of what you were thinking and just what you picked. Only your picks. <laughs> can, I, can I glue it for a second? I Absolutely mean, not. We have 15 minutes. Bo Hostler and, and Brant Snedeker. Come on, guys. That's He's that hot. Pretty... He's, he's hot. Uh, that was good. Sponsor yeah, exemption, Bo Hostler. He's seeing his yeah. lines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going first and foremost. Winner play plus sixteen hundred. Dustin Johnson, fifty nugs. Uh, he's the greatest player of all time. And uh, next, we're gonna go JT plus fourteen hundred. Uh, fifty nugs there. Is this well. uh, just coming into uh, the newsroom pick? Winner both. Uh, just JT was yeah. Just heard about him. Heard that the Beluga didn't <laughs> like him, so he said, "Let me hop on that." Yeah. Uh, next, we're gonna go Sam Burns. I feel like Sam Burns is probably a little bit undervalued. Um, top, top tier B kind of player. Yeah. Uh, which I, you know, Russell Henley being same as like Zalatoris and Matsuyama felt a little bit overvalued to me, Watch this but, uh, it. Sam Burns plus 800 for a top five, 20 nugs got, he's had two weeks off after his win at Valspar next up a little bit of a, you know, I'm, I'm not picking leash this year. I just, wow. I feel like he's going to, I feel like he's going to top 10 for sure, but I'm not picking him. Uh, I just, I gotta like, I gotta let leash go be, be his own, be his own guy. I just don't have enough picks. You know what? I think, I think I am going to pick. Leash. Uh, I was, was going to wow. pick. I can't, I can't not do it. Uh, before we go there, before we go there, I was going to do, I was going to do Horschel top 20. I'm not going to do it. I, I think Horschel. If you name play any well. player, you have to pick him. And next no. guy you name has to All be right. in your picks. Leash. Top 10 plus 450. We'll go 50 nugs on that. And then let's see. No, not 50 nugs. Sorry. We're going to go 30 nugs on that. So we have 50 nugs left over. I'm going to throw 50 nugs on our on our cut parlay, on our made cut parlay. Oh, love that. Cool. I like that. Yeah. I'm trying to put some skin in the game. Oh, no, that's know? great. That's great. Deej, why don't you give us your picks? Sure. Well, there was one one that was kind of jumping off the page as I was getting into my research. Uh, Come guys, on, Speed. Did not realize how many times this guy's played Augusta, uh, like 22, 23 times. Uh, only finished outside the top 20, I think, like three of those. Uh, cat. Tiger Woods, the cat, uh, <laughs> plus 150 wow. to finish in the top 20. Why, why the fuck not? Right? If, if you're reading like all the stuff that, like, I was mentioning the Cam Davis things and, and all the reports from the range and all that stuff, it's very like I just don't see him showing up. Uh, and it's not like a pride thing, it's not like a you know, I have to be able to to go play at the highest level. Otherwise, I'm not showing up. If I can't win, I'm not playing. It's not that. It just is like I don't see uh, I don't know why else he would be if he would be there unless he was like taking it fairly seriously. Right. And, it, and he was taking it. He, he thought he was healthy enough to do it. He's probably been lag putting his balls off, I would think, uh, you know, not not able to walk out there very much. I bet his putting's kind of sneaky dialed i was blown away i know i mentioned it on the pod last night but watching him just the the fact that he has a real golf swing even is yeah. like was blowing me away at the father son and why not if he's gonna play i i think he's got a chance to make the cut if he's got a chance to make the cut he's got a chance to get in the top 20 50 nuggets plus 150 on the cap next uh brian Harmon, top 20 the lefty bias maybe the you know Anna Davis, uh, hearkening in, you know, the, ret the return of the lefties. Hark, uh, hark. Uh, top 20, uh, plus 330 for, for Brian Harmon, 30 nuggets there. Russell Henley, you mentioned, Tron. I, I looked it up. He, since last year's BMW championship, he's played one round where he's lost shots to the field. 
like sure. he's playing really really freaking good he's t5 t11 in his his last two trips here granted it's been a couple years but still uh russell henley top five plus 550 30 mm-hmm. nuggets and i've got parlay i'm gonna do here four four picks i wanted to do much like you tron i, I felt you on the not enough picks you know i would have loved to do the stack and tilt again i just didn't have the real estate to do it uh so we've got big tone over siwoo kim i think big tone kind of bottomed out last week he he, he showed a little bit of a uh, little bit of return to form at valero he's obviously played great here in the past big tone over siwoo Brian Harmon, I already extolled the virtues, the values of Brian Harmon over Lee Westwood, who I think is kind of going through the motions. Uh, little Corey Connors over your boy Shane Lowry. Uh, Saw it's not personal. Both have, have been playing pretty nice. Uh, it's kind of a coin flip. Connors has played great the last couple of years here. Yes. Uh, Russell Henley, I already mentioned, over Cantlay. And then just to nuke the whole parlay, let's go speed over Morikawa. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, 60 nuggets on that. That's plus 21. Yeah. And the last uh, play, Rory to win. Hell plus yes. 2000. I already Whoa. talked about in the full circle of everything. Uh, he's never going to win. He shouldn't even play. Maybe he should give up his spot all the way back around to like, you know what? If he's ever going to win, maybe he's going to just come completely out of nowhere. Well, everyone's focusing on Tiger and uh maybe it'll all snap and i want to be there when it happens exactly that's exciting stuff exactly how i feel i love it low-key there's been a couple a couple of his his last few wins on tour have been like a bad miscut the week before so who who knows yeah i'll go next so i've been touting this guy i drew attention to this a couple weeks ago on twitter just leaping off the page the odds are not making any sense Shane Lowry for a top 10 this week, plus 450. I'm going 75 nuggets on that one. We are going big on this one. I am putting my money where my mouth is on this one. Um, Also going to go with little Corey Connors for a top 10. 35 (laughs) nuggets at plus 450 on that one. He's been playing great. He plays well at Augusta. Uh, I see no reason why he can't continue that. Again, we've covered there's no one, basically no one in the field. It's very easy to top 10 here. Said this earlier, <laughs> Justin very Thomas, true things. 30 nuggets on that for a top five finish at plus 330. I think he's going to be around a lot. I can see him finishing four or five shots back of the winner. Um, Cameron Smith, it just it, it's, it feels like too obvious of a pick, and the too obvious pick never really wins, but I think he like everything makes sense for him to play good this week. 30 nuggets on him to top five as well, plus 330. I looked and at then, that. How wild is it that we're living in a world where Cam Smith to top five in a major is is like three to one? It's That's unbelievable. Crazy. It's a lot of good players. Again, there's no one in the field. But um, lastly, the, the triple chance to win. Uh, they do such a good job pairing. Like they give you one guy that you want, and the other guy is just like, oh, that guy cannot win. And But they got one that I legitimately think any of these three guys could win. They're not my picks to win. But I just like to have the, the board covered with this one. 30 nuggets at plus 650 for either Morikawa, Xander, or Cantlay to win. Uh, all guys I consider very capable of doing this and uh, can have a great week. Yet I don't, I don't even know if they're going to make the cut. So I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll cover the board with that one. And those are my picks. Neil, why don't you go next? All right. I like, I like what a lot of you guys are doing. I do want to call it, I have a futures bet on Rory plus 1400. Hate those odds. They've gotten a lot. Uh, a lot more attractive, uh, but I'm going to stick with that. So we already have money on the table with Rory. Just want to call that out. But my picks this week, I'm going to start it off with a parlay as well. I'm, it's kind of a fady boys parlay. Some guys that I, I I picked because I didn't like the other guy. So maybe like a pseudo Costanza. I'm going KH Lee over Stewart Sink. I don't feel like an old like Stu Sink's going to play well this week. Plus 120 there. 
Uh, it's four four play parlay. Kevin Na over Webb Simpson. I think Webb Simpson's going to miss the cut, but there wasn't a missed cut bet on Webb Simpson. Uh, Brian Harmon over Westwood. As DJ said, yeah, I don't yeah. think Westwood cares. And then Seamus Power over Jason Kokrak. I haven't seen Kokrak really do much of anything lately. Uh, that all adds up to plus 1386. I'm putting 40 nuggies on that. Now, Damn. I try. I thought, you know, I had a bunch of like top 10s and top 5s pick. Oh, I'm going to play it safe this week. Yeah, yeah. No, we're hitting the gas, baby. All right. We're, we're going from 1 to 3 to 6. We've got Xander Shoffley, outright winner, plus 2,000, 20 nuggies there. Cam Smith, outright winner, plus 1,400, 20 nuggies there. Patrick Cantlay, outright winner, plus 2,500, 20 nuggies there. All right, I got to be there. I've been picking those guys. I was early last year on them. Cantlay missed the cut. He's got unfinished business. Both of All three of those guys have great track records here. Our last pick, 100 nuggets. Will there be two or more hole-in-ones at the Masters this year? I say yes, plus 150. <laughs> I can't believe that, that the odds for hole-in-ones for two or more are plus 150. Those are horrible odds, but that's a fun bet, and I'm excited to watch, and I can't wait to see two or more hole-in-ones. There you have it. Wow. Two or more hole-in-ones on Sunday on 16. I know. I think that's, that, you know, that's, that's that would, smart money right there. I feel like that would be plus 150. Yeah. Big I get Randy, all week, Randy, all week. I have five plays. I have five plays. They're all 40 nuggies, and I'm so excited to share them with you. The first one is an outright winner play. Colin Morikawa uh, going for his third major would be the third rung of the career Grand Slam. I think it establishes him as the best young player in golf right now. That's plus 2,000. The other one, I'm on the Lowry bandwagon. I got him to win, plus 5,500. Uh, just feels like the type of player that's going to win another major at some point. Obviously, his first one was on a great golf course. Uh, so I think he could get it done at Augusta. Why not this year? Scotty Scheffler, I got him to miss the cut plus 500. Whoa, um, wow. I'm, going, I'm fading Scotty, world number one. He's due to, you know, each year one of the big guns has a real stinker of a week. I'm saying it's Scotty, and he's going home early. And then two top 10 plays, DJ plus 170. I feel like that's almost free money. He's like, I don't see how he cannot finish in the top 10 this week. And then finally, Jordan Spieth to top 10, a plus 210. Anytime you can get a four-time champion just to top 10 at better than two to one, I feel like you got to take it. So those are the plays. Guys, breaking, breaking news. Breaking news just coming into the TC News Center. Uh, I'm scrapping the Sam Burns play. Nobody oh picks Nobody no. picks Spieth to win. I'm picking him to win. I'm no, you don't get to see the board and then place your play. No, nuggets at Spieth. No, it's a matter of respect. Always something. That, it's always the something. Of respect. I'm the it's king. I can do whatever I want. Something. The fact that nobody <laughs> oh, no. is not illegal. Pick Spieth to Mute him. win. DJ, are you in charge disgusting. of the stream so, Spieth has 22 to 1 to win. No. He's disbanded yes. the parliament. Yes. He's yes. taken yes. absolute power. You it's cannot almost, you cannot see yes. the board and change your Tyranny. picks. That is often <laughs> declared Randy just saw the whole board and made his picks. Like how mine were locked. Picks? Mine were. What do you mean? Mine were locked. I don't make my picks live. You made an illegal pick last week, which we haven't even addressed yet. No, you entered your picks. Yeah, all right, you, if, you, if you guys want to avoid the the uh, the uh, illegal pick, that's fine. It's another thirty dollars in my bank account. I would now, rather give it, you that, I, but we'll discuss hit, the sanctions of your hit, illegal pick. Been, if it would have hit, you would have been all all you know all over me about it not counting, but. The fact that it didn't hit 
You're letting it. Count. Wait, you're taking so. Spieth to win? Spe- I feel like I'm taking. This is this yeah. is. I mean, Sally, yeah, I'll I let him throw his money away yeah, if he vote, wants to. I that's up to that. him. Yeah. No, because that's what's gonna hit now. Because he gets no, to see the whole come board. Come on, no, no it makes mean? our week so much more interesting if Toronto money on speed to win. I vote speed yes. At, at, at plus twenty, it's like it's not even good odds. Plus uh, twenty two hundred. That's a heck come of on. an edit for for our editor here to figure all that out and put the graphics up. But I'll let I'll I'll let you guys. That's uh, yeah, you know what, and I will I will just put it to DraftKings, boost it. Boost it. <laughs> do not boost anything for this guy. Please While we're talking that. to DraftKings, I want a top amateur market. I am begging for him to create a top amateur market. It might be against yeah. the spirit of the game, that. though. I know. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Roberts and Mr. Jones would be rolling over in their grave if they knew we were betting on amateurs, Randy. Although Come on. They're, they're probably rolling in their graves with, for the uh, Dude Perfect guys, too. So <laughs> That might be fair. Um, also, well, I just I, want to give a shout-out to Sep, Sep Straka. I think he's – I like him this week. Just want to throw that out there. That's yeah, cool, man. <laughs> cool. He's like Holland. 300 to 1. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We, If you're uh, watching this on video, again, head over to our podcast feed. Check out our interview with John Wood previewing the Masters. We're going to be doing live shows, of course, every night after each round of play, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. This uh, this week cannot get started soon enough. The cat's out on the golf course as we speak right now. Something's happening at all times at Augusta National. Wish we were there, but uh, – Someday we will we will do one of these in person. But uh, without any further delay, thank you everyone for tuning in, and we will see you guys Thursday. Cheers. I kind of want to pick Spieth now, but I'm, I'm not going to. <laughs> so excited. One final thing here before we get to John Wood. Our friends at Rapsodo would like to remind you that if you go to rapsodo.com slash NLU, use promo code NLU, you get $100 off plus a premium subscription to our favorite mobile launch monitor. These things are incredibly accurate. They get within 2% of units that cost $20,000, the Rapsodo mobile launch monitor app automatically tracks stats, stores video with Shot Tracer. It's helpful for club gapping, understanding true distances you hit for each club. It gives you immediate feedback and data, just creates for a better practice environment. It keeps you from mindlessly hitting golf balls, which I have a horrible, horrible habit of doing. Uh, it's extremely portable. It's about the size of a rangefinder. It fits right on the outside of your bag. It basically doesn't add any weight to your bag. You can use both indoors and outdoor. I cannot say enough great things about this. Again, it's rapsodo.com slash NLU, promo code NLU for $100 off our favorite mobile launch monitor. Rapsodo.com slash NLU, promo code NLU for $100 off plus a premium subscription. Here is John Wood. So how many times have you caddied in the Masters, and is it weird to to not be going back back home, as as many people say, come April this year? Always weird when you're not at the Masters. Um, I've probably worked, I'm going to say, 20 times there for a variety of different players. And, uh, you know, it's probably my favorite event to work, but I'll be watching it at home from, from, uh, from the couch this year, like everybody else. So that'll, that'll have a, an appeal to it as well. I'm sure. I didn't mean to bring up a bit, a sore subject. Focus, <laughs> Not, at all. <laughs> so, Not all right, at all. Your answer cannot be TV doesn't do justice to the elevation change. All right. We know that one, but what's something that people at home probably don't know about uh, Augusta national, the masters or that golf course in particular. Let's see. Okay. The, the tournament practice facilities, which is top three in the world are, is used. I think 10 days out of the year total for the jamboree and for the masters tournament, the rest of the year, they use the, the members range. So that magnificent practice ground sits there most of the year unused. I think what people don't realize at Augusta is how, if you get a firm and fast week, how precise you have to be with your iron shots is 
way more than any other tournament we play. Um, U.S. Open, obviously, Saturday, Sunday gets gets pretty tough. But at Augusta, you're sitting there a lot of times, like 15 is a great example, 12 is a great example, where you can do everything right as a caddy, and the player can do everything right, everything you plan for, and the shot might not work out just because of Augusta win or or something out outside of your control. But to me, it's just it's the funnest place to caddy because that there's such a fine line between some, a shot that works out, a shot that doesn't, especially if it gets firm and fast. I was going to say something along those lines to try to sound smart later on when we talked about specific holes. But one that came to mind for me that maybe isn't, you know, top of mind for a lot of people is the sixth hole where, mm. you know, there's some funnel pins on that hole. You know, if you get front left, you can use some slopes and get to it. But when they put that pin up on the right, I feel like that is about as good of an example at Augusta of like a marginal shot straight up, not going to cut it today, right? There's almost no way to hit it to 30 feet to the top right pin on six. You're either inside 20 feet or it's taking the slope and rolling 45, 50, 60 feet away, if you will. Does that, is that kind of in line with what you're talking about in terms of the, the level of precision needed just means like the marginal shot is going to get rejected in so many places, more so than other golf courses? Yeah, exactly. Like I said, on 12 and 15, um, six, six is a great example of that back right like you talked about. There's just no bail on it. You know, you got to sit there and go, I'm taking it on. I got to, you know, try and hit this within 15 feet. Just long is not bad, but it's funny. A difference between a yard over that green and three yards over that green is completely different shots. Well, yard over is pretty easy. Three yards over is not. So uh, it's that kind of fine, you know, fine precision on that course that really differentiates it from anything else. I never see guys chip, or I'm sorry, I never see guys really putt from off the green at Augusta. It, on TV, it looks like, hey, well, that looks like a very easy putt. Why do we not see that usually? Does it have something to do with the overseed and, and and kind of the speed at which you're, you know, you need the ball rolling when it gets on the green? What what's your insight on that? There's a couple things. One, it's a really good question. I can't remember exactly how many years ago, but, but yeah, let's say ten years ago. There was a Masters where everybody was putting from just off the surfaces. They, the chipping areas were cut really tight. They were smooth. You could putt it, and, and people were getting away with it. The following year, Augusta said, no, you know, we want people to have to chip. You, we don't want you to be able to just putt from these areas. You're going to have to chip. So what they did was they grew those chipping areas a little bit longer and grew it into you. So they mow it into your stroke. So if you putt, the ball just sticks immediately and pops up, and there's no consistency to it. So that's why you see most people chipping from around the greens. The other thing is spin. A lot of these hole locations, if you miss it in the wrong place and you putt it, there's no way coming off the slope you're coming, it's going to stop. But if you can hit those little tiny, I'm talking 10, 15 foot chip shots with a tiny bit of check on them, it will slow it down enough on those slopes and, and enough for the ball to settle near the hole. So you get rid of, of part of the, of the slope by chipping it to the middle of it or even to the bottom of it, and then that little bit of check slows it down. So I think there's two reasons. They mow it into you, and it's a little bit longer, and you, you need spin around those greens to really control your ball. And also, I think I feel like contributing to that is it looks like easy grass to chip off of. If there is easy grass, it's not, you know, grainy Bermuda where you got to really worry about precise contact or, you know, really tight lies that, you know, could promote some skanky little chips. Does that seem accurate? Absolutely. The actual contact with the ball is not difficult at Augusta because it is it's, it's nice, but uh, executing the exact right shot is, is difficult. 
What is it like year to year? I mean, you're talking about one year it's tight, the next year they didn't like it and they changed that. Is it, I mean, is there a lot of stuff that people don't know about at home in terms of little changes that are made, somewhat dramatic changes that don't show up on television? Do you, are you notified of changes going into the next year? There's, you know, it's the most tinkered with golf course probably in the history of the game. What, what What's your perspective on that? You know, occasionally you're notified of them. Somebody gets an aerial shot or you're hearing rumors, hey, they've moved this bunker a little bit that way. But to me, and, and I think Bones would agree with this, we used to walk the course all the time together. You'd show up at Augusta and you'd be walking the golf course and you'd look at a bunker and go, that, I swear that's a yard and a half out further from where it was last year. Or I swear this slope is just a tiny bit steeper than it was the year before. So these tiny little subtle changes that they really don't make public. Um, and there's no reason to really every year they change the course just slightly. So you really got to do your homework there, you know, Monday, Tuesday, make sure that your old numbers, your old yardage book, your old notes is still working. So uh, yeah, they do make these little tiny imperceptible almost changes, but the fire's the funny thing, Solly. Every time you go to Augusta, you think this is perfect. They've done everything. Perfect. Don't change anything. The course is great. Everything's perfect. And then you show up the next year. And there's two or three tweaks and you go, yeah, that's better. <laughs> that's better. <laughs> you, you know, they're, they just don't miss anything. They're so meticulous with their course and everything about their tournament, really, that it, just nothing like it. What's it like walking Augusta with Bones? Uh, you know, somebody that's won, uh, won three, ma- been on the bag for three Masters victories. What, what, is, what do you glean from him? Does he give much away to other caddies? You know, we, we talked for about 10 years in a row, Bones, Joe, myself and fluff rented a house together walking distance from the driving range so you know we'd we'd sit at, sit at home at you know during the day and during the week and say hey did you see this did you check this out um have you shot this one yet and and just kind of go back and forth all of us really on the course um and caddies do share info for sure especially if you're friendly like 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 we were you know we don't get into too much of what's happened in the past um it's more so looking towards the future so um, it is, you know, one of the greatest tournaments, probably the greatest tournament in the world. But in terms of our homework and our walk around Augusta, it, it, it would be the same as any other course, really, just kind of going back and forth on things. I think in my head, because I, I, I've heard Bones, he's told it on this podcast before, Bones tells the story of on the 16th hole, they had, he and Phil had this theory that the ball just went like seven yards further on Sundays, like for whatever reason, and how they put that into play in 2004, and it worked out. And like that, that, that so in my head, I feel like he's got just a, a you know, a, an almanac full of secrets in there that he's not telling other people. But uh, I, I'm sure, I'm sure you've got your own little quirks about that place too that you maybe keep a little closer. Yeah, <laughs> I think anybody who's ever ever been there for a few times has their has their theories and their thoughts on certain holes and why they play certain ways. So, like everybody, I'm sure Bones has quite a few. <laughs> I hear, I've heard it both ways, and I don't even know what to believe anymore on this. I hear, you know, it's always been a thing that you need a right-to-left shot at Augusta, and then I hear things like it's kind of being over-dramatized. What's, what's your experience around that place tell you about that? I think that's completely over-dramatized. I mean, honestly, if you look at the two biggest Masters champions ever, Jack cut it, and Tiger mostly hits cuts. Are there a few shots where, yes, you do need to draw it? Absolutely. 13 around the corner, 14, it helps. You know, when I was growing up, I always heard the same thing. You had to draw it around there. You had to hit it right to left. I don't, I don't see that anymore. I think more so you have to hit it high. You have to be able to control your distances. That to me is the two most important things. Putting is obviously difficult around there, but hitting your numbers with everything from your wedges through four iron is to me the most important thing and, and having some height to it 
so they they will land and stop. We joked earlier about you know the everyone saying that the TV doesn't do justice to the elevation change, but what I think doesn't maybe necessarily translate uh, that well to to viewers at home that you know haven't been there and walked it. The the uphill and downhill lies to me is what like the first hole I ever watched at Augusta was KJ Choi hitting a shot from from the downslope on the ninth hole to an uh, to an elevated green. And I was just like, oh my god, if I would hit this backwards with a shank if I had to hit, <laughs> like it's so difficult. Like so they, they just it just doesn't at that level do the do the lies have that much of an effect on on precision or are they that good at adapting to stuff like that that it it doesn't affect uh, them maybe as much as it does us. Oh no, the the lies are a huge thing around okay. there. I mean, they're all obviously there's a few holes where you get a flat lie, but not many. And like ten, and you're always you, balls. You know, you got a down slope on ten, hitting to a green that kind of sits up a little bit. Um, Thirteen, that ball's way above your feet, and you're looking at it, and you want to hit a cut, but you're really not comfortable doing it because the slope is so severe. One, you know, the right to left, eighteen, straight up the hill. Yeah, almost every shot has some sort of, of level that you're going to need to deal with in terms of hitting your approach shot. Did your players, and I guess I, I should have started with this, I guess, to tell listeners kind of who you've caddied for at Augusta, and, and did your players ever try to hit cuts off that slope on the 13th hole? It is very obvious that that could be the shot, but how do you hit a cut off the ball above your feet? Do people tend to just trust the draw? What's what's a two-part two question there, but what are your thoughts on that? I, I think for most part, I mean, when I worked for Calc there, he hit a cut. He, he cuts every single shot. But for the most part, I think most guys, no matter where the pin is, try and hit it in the dead center of that green. You know, it's a fairly simple two putt to all the pins from there. The one thing about that shot, for some reason, and, and going along with, with Bone's shot on, on 16, was 13 always plays long. You can sit there and be between clubs and you think, boy, I should be able to land this five iron, six iron, 10, 12 yards onto this green. And then you pure it and it barely covers. So that's another one that I don't, I can't figure out why it does, but it always plays, you know, five to eight yards longer. And, you know, I think I realized it one year when I thought, I don't think I've ever seen anybody hit it over this green. I've seen people hit it to the left in two, but I've never seen anybody hit it into those back bunkers over the green. That's when I kind of realized, you know, this shot always plays so long and you think you can use that slope or think it's going to carry 10 to 15 yards on and it just never does. Hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking about why that may be. I'm wondering if it's a little bit downhill lie, I guess, with the ball above your feet as well. Or it, the it, only thing I can think of is, is you've got the, the ball above your feet and it kind of forces you to draw and it kind of forces the ball down a little bit instead okay. of cutting it where it gets that backspin. Um, that's the only thing I've ever really been able to think of, but it's one of the mysteries of Augusta mm-hmm. National. Who, uh, who else have you caddied for at Augusta and kind of uh, what have been some of, your, some of your best runs at the Masters? Kevin Sutherland. Uh, Mark Kalkovecchia, Lianwei Zhang, first Chinese player to ever play at, at Augusta, uh, Hunter Mahan, and uh, Matt Kuchar. So those five guys. I've had a handful of top fives, you know, where I had a look, on, had a good feeling on the back nine that it could happen. Never was able to finish one off. But, uh, you know, just being, being on the back nine at Augusta in any of those last five to seven groups, um, there's nothing like it in golf. You hear the roars um, and you, you know, it's almost cliche at this point, but they are different there. And you can kind of gauge exactly what's happened by the sound of the roar, who it is, what they did, just knowing where the tee times are. It's, um, it's quite unique that way. Does anything change for a caddy in terms of advice that you give when you're on the back nine at somewhere like Augusta or at the Masters in terms of, 
You know, are you more likely to give a pump up speech or a calm down speech? Are you factoring in adrenaline with any yardages? I mean, obviously with club selection, you might, but are you fudging some numbers maybe at any point? Uh, what, what's it like? Are, are you feeling nervous and pressure as a caddy coming down the stretch of, of, of the Masters? Absolutely. No question about it. And you want to really. I mean, you don't want to show your player, but you want to feel those butterflies. You want to, it kind of heightens all your senses. And I think you can. I think it actually brings out the best in you if you're, if you're a really good caddy or you think you're a good caddy and have some confidence out there because it, a master's win to a caddy is huge. A master's win to a player changes your life, changes your career, changes everything. So, you know, you know, your player is on edge already. There's some truth to the masters beginning on the back nine on Sunday. Um, All you want to do is get yourself in some sort of position and then you've got different game plans um, for that back nine. If you're in the lead, if you're way behind, if you're slightly behind, you know, if you get to that 10th tee and you're four behind, you, you know, you got to step on the pedal. There's no backing off at this point. Whereas if you got a one or two shot lead, you got some question marks. What, how do we going to do this? Am I going to go for it? If we have the chance, are we going to lay it up for sure? So there's different, different mindsets, different game plans for different positions that you're in coming down that stretch. You've seen the cycles, you know, of pro golf in terms of, of, course through a season i'm trying to figure out how to ask this but I, i'm amazed by the people like the louis Oosthuizen's and brooks kepkas come to mind in terms of it feels like when they want to play their best golf the most in the events they want to play the best they rise to the occasion and that feels it's like with recent years it feels the opposite with someone like rory just for, as an example right and yet everyone wants it the same level everyone wants it at an uncontrollable amount what is your insight into how guys are able to peak when they want to peak and get their best golf at the times that are the most important. And again, I, I think I'll view this through my own lens of like every, every very important round to me seems to go very poorly because of expectations <laughs> at, at the highest level. Why is that? You know, how, how are, how are people able to manage that? Um, it, it just, it's a great question. And um, boy, if I knew the, the honest answer, I think I'd make a million bucks tomorrow, but it's um winning a masters or us open or an open championship pga it just feels different because of how everybody else reacts around you i see a lot of guys completely change their routines the week of the masters and i don't get that honestly i, I know a number of player of mine you know wanted to change his routine and, and play on monday play on tuesday play on wednesday i'd go look if this is the way to prepare why don't you do it every week because the guys who change their routines i think are immediately in trouble there uh, because you're already making it bigger than 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 a normal week, and it is bigger, but you want to prepare the exact same way. I think Tiger's the best example of that. I mean, Tiger, when he does play, is, is almost first to tee off every day, plays his practice round, plays nine holes, practices, and gets out of there. He's not there all day long. And and here's the thing: when it's your first Masters or second Masters or third Masters, you want to stay there all day long. The practice facilities are so great. The the patrons are great. The food's great, and it's why go back to your room? It's fantastic here. So it's attractive um, to want to over-practice and over-prepare. And um, you don't realize you've over-prepared until Thursday or Friday when your energy level is nothing. So I think that's, that's what some of the veterans or guys who have won it before really uh, take to heart. And I think if, if Tiger does play this year, which I mean, we're all hoping he does, I think it's great because he doesn't, I don't think he has to wear himself out on practice rounds. He knows that course as well if not better than any anybody um so i think if he does show up and play you know he does he's not going to have that extra walking to do on on monday tuesday wednesday i feel like he can 
just play those four days if he wanted to. Who knows if he's going to play? Uh, if that's the case, I think he, he will play very limited practice rounds. And for the listener's sake, we're recording this Tuesday of, of Valero week, a good six, seven <laughs> days before this uh, podcast is going to air. So chances are we may know by now, but uh, yeah, we're, we're, as we're, as we're recording this Tigers plate has right. just landed. So we're uh, very <laughs> much on pins and needles when it comes to that. Do you, how do you see pressure manifest itself either in your players or other players that you're playing with in major championships? Do you see routine changes? Do you see, how can you sense when a player is nervous or maybe behaving differently than they than they should or would normally behave on on a golf course a lot of it is tempo not in tempo of your swing but in tempo of the routine or how fast and slow you're walking um how fast does it normally get you take you to get through uh, a decision like if i'm giving hunter mayhan you know we get to 14 and i say hunter you got 142 front 166 total you need to carry this 58 to get it up top and at that point unless it's really really windy you know hunter would have a good idea of one who he wanted to hit um, but if you see players slowing that down and, and almost being quiet at that point and their minds really thinking, that's when you can tell, okay, he's out of sorts a little bit. We need to go back into our normal routine. And sometimes you, you lead him a little bit and say, you know, at, the, at that point, you say it's a perfect eight iron, just hit a full one and, and, and let's go. Um, and you can see the opposite as well. If somebody speeds everything up reads reading on the greens you want you almost get the sense that some people want to get some putts over with because they're tough putts or because it's just the situation so if you see a guy walking faster talking faster reading greens faster um it, that's also a sign that you kind of try and reel him in and get him back into his normal flow of things if he's changed something and you've noticed it and he's playing great you don't say anything but um if if you've noticed the change in his behavior how much he's talking, what he's talking about, pace of anything. Um, that's when you try and just notice it. You don't want to panic him. You just want to almost do it secretly. Like you start walking slower or you start walking faster. You start talking more, talking less, slowing things down, speeding things up, just so he kind of comes with you and you don't have to talk about it. Um, you just try and lead him a little bit that way. Tell me about putting at Augusta. I, I This may sound like a very ridiculous statement. For a long, long, long time, I've, I've always thought putting at Augusta looks especially hard, and I'm starting to maybe think less and less like that. I feel like you can make mid-range mid, mid putts out there. You can, you know, short putts aren't maybe a little bit more challenging, a little more slope around them than you're used to seeing on normal tour stops. I should stop talking here and ask you just what – tell me about putting at Augusta. What is maybe different than, uh, than normal, uh, normal weeks on tour? Normal weeks on tour, if you put your ball in the wrong place, you can probably still get out of there with a two putt. Yeah. Honestly, it's, it's just not that fast. They're not big as slopes. You put it in the wrong place and say, okay, I, I, can, I can just, just two putt this and get out of here. At Augusta, if you put it in the wrong place, you're trying to figure out any possible way to have a close second putt. And a lot of times if you put it in the wrong place, you don't have a chance. You're going to have a 10 to 12 footer coming back. That being said, if you do put it in the right place, I think it's one of the best places to make putts in the world. A, because they're perfect. The surfaces are absolutely perfect. But B, because you, you've watched this tournament your whole life. You know, it's the same whole locations pretty much. And they, you know, there's slight changes here and there to the greens, but you've watched this tournament on TV or in person your entire life. And you've seen these putts. You know the putt up to the, the right poles on uh, 16 is extremely slow. You know that putt, like we were talking about that upper right pole location on six, you know, it's so hard to get it there. And if you don't down to the left, you know, you've got to hit the heck out of that putt to get it up top. But it's also a place I think that 
the practice rounds are made easier in the fact that you have seen it so many times and you know what putts you're going to have. You know where you're going to want to leave it to this hole. You know where you're going to want to leave it to this hole. And I think you can, you can practice the putts you, you know you're going to have more at Augusta maybe than some other places. And that's what makes it so fun as a fan is I, I feel like I even know as a fan, like, all right, the putt on 16 to the Sunday pin from short right, it breaks more than it looks. Like I, I, I Absolutely. Right? You, you see enough guys hit that putt. And even if you end up left of that pin and you're put, you have the left to righter, again, I feel like I see guys miss that putt low all the time under pressure. And the putt on 18, what's your read on the putt on 18 to the Sunday pin from the right that almost everyone has either for the win or for the tie? Is Does a putt break? I've heard it. Does it straighten, straighter than you think? Does it break more? Uh, the putt that Phil made? Uh, no, so the, Phil was like behind right. the hole, but I feel like, like right. Adam okay, Scott's putt, right. Kepka yeah. had a chance there uh, a couple years ago. It's, it's so it's so speed related there. If you're dying it at the hole, it really wants to break across the hole fast. But if it's got a foot or two of speed on it, it tends to want to stay really straight. It almost feels like there's no in between there. It either breaks hard or goes straight, and you've just got to match your read and your your speed up perfectly to make that putt. How do you caddy for the 12th hole? How the hell do you do it? I know it's it's a different shot. Like all, you know, there's basically three general areas where they could pin it front, left, middle, middle, and, and back, right. How does it change based on where the pin is? And then what do you what do you tell your guy? Obviously, do, do your normal things first. Get the numbers, get the carries, get to where get to where you want the ball to land. That's the first thing you're figuring out. You're honestly thinking about that hole coming into it for a couple holes as a caddy just trying to make sure you're going to know what the wind's doing there and what you're going to tell your player. The biggest mistakes guys make is indecision. You know, if you, if you are decisive and confident about a club, you're not going to be that far off. Most likely. I think most mistakes come when indecision is there. And as a caddy, that's the last thing you want to do is hem and haw and go back and forth to your player about, uh, well, the wind should be doing this, but man, it feels like this. And boy, look at the pin on 11. It's doing something different. You've just clouded his head up completely. So you want to get it in your head what you're going to tell him. What do you think that wind's doing? And immediately you've got to come back with mostly right to left, a little bit of hurt. Or there's a lot of help out there and we're not feeling it because of the patrons right behind the tee box. You really got to have that plan to come in immediately with confidence and tell him what it's doing so he can't let his mind wander to, to possible you know, other, other directions or strengths that the wind is going. If you do plan for a certain wind and all of a sudden you get on that tee and it, it doesn't feel like what it should, I tend to like to wait it out rather than go back and forth between clubs. Because, um, you know, if you're in between eight and, and nine, you've got nine out and it feels like it's hurting all of a sudden, you take eight out and immediately the wind switch and goes downwind. So to go back and forth with clubs, I think is the wrong way to go about it there. I think the make your decision based on the wind that you think it should be doing and then just wait till you feel that win, you know, and if you got to wait 30 seconds, 45 seconds to get into the shot, so be it. But um, I just think that's a more confident way to get into that shot than kind of going back and forth on the clubs and changing, you know, every time in terms of where to aim. The only one I think I, I prefer players aim away from if for a right-hander is that far right one. The other ones I think you can, you can kind of go at that front pin front left, You've got quite a bit of room behind that, even if you go over the green. The middle pins, you're going to aim at anyways, because those are kind of in the smartest play anyways, right in the middle of that green depth and, you know, side to side. So it's only that right one where I really, you know, try and point in the yardage book and say, 
here's the total, but here's the number to this over this middle bunker by six. That's the number we want to land this right now. The funniest story was my first one there was, you know, Calc was, I think one or two back at Tiger, my very first masters, I worked for Calc and we got to that hole and traditional right pin. And, you know, he likes to cut everything. So it's a very attractive pin to him. So we go over all the numbers and, and I do that. I, I look in the book and I say, you've got, you know, 151 to right here, pointing to right over the, that bunker in the middle. He goes, that's a good spot, isn't it? I go, yeah, that's right where you want to aim. And Cal gets in there and I see him setting up, setting up, setting up. And literally his last waggle, he moves his feet about an inch to the right, just swings away. And he goes, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And I think he hit a pretty good shot. So it turned out all right, but uh, boy. That's a shot there. Like I said, you hit it. It's up in the air. It might be in the water. It might be in the front bunker. It might be perfect. It might be in the bushes over the green. It just, that's how much the wind turns around there. Well, and that's what, it, you know, this may be obvious to, to some, but the difficulty of that shot is kind of, it's hard to really, uh, you got to process so much information there, right? If you want to go with that pin, it's a probably a different club or it's definitely a different yardage than if you want to go over the center bunker, because if you absolutely if you you know want the club that's going to stuff it to the back right one if you pull it it is going in the back bunker it is not going to hold up short and if you right. aim at the center and you have a club that's probably a little less and then you end up drifting right then you're in the Jordan Speed territory right and your eyes exactly right when you get up over it you do the you want to do the count I've never played at Augusta I, I, I but I, I <laughs> I've played you know somewhat similar holes right where you you just if you're aiming away from it you start to shift a little right or oh, I'll push it I'll push it a little bit towards the pin and you just cannot do that with exactly that yeah that's exactly right the other thing about 12 my opinion is you know if you do get a bad break or make a bad swing goes in the penalty area to me, the easiest shot there is to go right up to the penalty area, go in that first cut and drop it there. You've got a flop shot off a pretty good lie. It's not tough to, to hit the green. You know, you might hit it 10, 15 feet, but a lot of guys go back and try and hit that sand wedge. And you, all of a sudden you've got to deal with the wind again. Um, you've got to deal with your adrenaline again. Whenever I had guys hit, uh, you know, unfortunate shots, I, I'd really try and encourage them to go play just a little pitch shot from just short in that first cut just because I thought it was a much easier shot than trying to hit a 60, 70 yard sand wedge. You talked a little bit about the wind there on 12 and it sounds like you do, uh, you know, subscribe to the, to the theory that it does swirl like we hear about so often, but honestly the MVC graphic that I saw on 17, I think starting last year about, about wind, maybe kind of, it kind of blew my mind about wind and how you guys interpret it on the golf course in terms of, you know, what you're feeling on the ground might be different than what's happening at the apex and, I never even honestly never even thought about how wind could maybe go be going up or down. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. At least, uh, according uh -huh. to that graphic of like it doing all those things that it maybe does over the corporate tents and things like that. What, how much of it, uh, you know, is it science versus art in terms of reading wind and, uh, and you know, how, how you do that as a caddy? Most of it's science. And what I try and do, and I think what a lot of caddies try and do is have more, more than one way to read the wind. If you just do one thing, if you just stand at your ball and throw up grass, you're measuring the wind, you know, in a one yard circle around you, which is nowhere near where the ball is going to be flying. I try to, and I think a lot of caddies keep a compass on their yardage book, not, not necessarily a physical one, but you get the forecast early in the day before you play. This is what it should be on all these holes. And then if it's different than that, you can kind of start getting feels for it. But what you do is look for confirmations. 
Um, there's Spanish moss hanging in all the trees, which is an easy way to, to figure out. That always lays one way or lays the other or just sits there straight down. Not only the flag sticks, but flags up by the, the clubhouse um, and the scoreboards. There's quite a few flags around there that you look at. You, you never want to go with one thing. You want two or three. When your player says, well, it doesn't feel like that at all. You know, you get to 13 or 12 and you tell them what the wind is doing. Well, it doesn't feel like that at all. Then you need to point in your yardage book and say, we're hitting the exact same direction we were on the seventh hole right now, you know, to the northeast. That seven iron came up, you know, and went, came up short, we only went 158 yards. So we had to have hurt in it. So we're hitting the same direction now, have that those scientific facts for him so he can kind of trust it more than, than what maybe what he's feeling on his pant legs. You always, you want to have multiple ways to, to affirm what the wind is doing. And there's still just no way to know exactly by the time he pulls the club back. That's what's insane about it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of timing. You got to, you know, it's funny. You don't think about the timing of hitting a shot at Augusta, but, or, or in golf in general, but there it is an art, you know, when you, when you feel the wind you want, you got to get in and go. Um, you can't sit there and say, okay, I'm going to go full routine for a minute here. It's okay. There's the one I want. Let's go. Um, so it timing, timing of shots there is, is probably bigger issue there than anywhere else. And tying in what kind of where we started at with this conversation too, is the mar the, how thin the margins are on some of these shots, a yard or two can make the mm -hmm. difference in wearing a green jacket and not. So we haven't talked much about the players involved in this as we're trending here. And again, we're recording this a week out and Valero could, uh, could change some of the, our thoughts on some guys. If Rory or Spieth wins, talk me into Spieth. This is the first year I haven't been riding the Jordan Spieth hype train coming into Augusta. His track record here is second second to none, almost quite literally in terms of strokes gain and all that stuff. It's we, we joke very frequently about it. it's amazing. He only has one of these. So make the case for Jordan speed for me. And I won't, I won't, uh, don't give me any disconfirming evidence. <laughs> uh, I don't think form has a lot. Let's let me rephrase that form has less to do with results at Augusta when you're coming in than any other place in the world to me. Um, yes. You want to be hitting it great. You want to be doing everything great. You want to be in a good place. You want to feel good physically. But something happens when you drive up Magnolia Lane that is, it's just magic. You know, it, you just flip a switch and go, I know how to play this place. I don't care what I've done the rest of the year. I know exactly where to hit it here. And I think Augusta more than any place has a way of turning you from a golf swinger into a golfer. All of a sudden, if you're, you know, uh, very mechanically minded, you know, for all year, all of a sudden you get to Augusta and you feel like I'm hitting shots again. I'm hitting shots. I'm not playing golf swing out here. So um, Jordan, as he always does, I think we'll show up there, hit a few putts, hit a few, few shots and go, okay, I get it. I know how to play here. Let's, let's go right now. Um, I, like I said, there's other people who have had great form going into Augusta and you know, that turns off uh, same thing. So I, I think form going into Augusta is pretty irrelevant hmm. in my opinion. Hmm. I'm glad to hear that. All right. I'm convinced. <laughs> On a similar note, let's we're gonna again recording this in advance, but work under the assumption that Tiger is gonna tee it up here, which I'm starting to trend that that direction as we sit here. Is that kind of why? Would that be a reason why that he would be playing this event? Is this if this was the U.S. Open at Brookline, would he be teeing it up this week, or can he pull on so much Augusta knowledge and pulling off being a golfer hitting golf shots rather than playing golf swing? Is that what gives him somewhat of a chance if he were to put the peg in the ground? I think so. I think so. I think we all saw, you know, that the father son, I mean, he looked like he was swinging great, putting great. Everything looked good physically. The issue is walking. Yeah. Um, and he's been very vocal about that. And, and uh, you know, I'm hearing the rumors like everybody else. He's been walking at medalist the last few 
last few weeks trying to get get you know get his endurance up a little bit but I don't know if that's a fact or not but yeah he's got so much knowledge there like we talked about he doesn't need to waste a lot of energy Monday Tuesday Wednesday if he's concerned at all about his ability to walk I'm sure he won't practice a lot I'm sure he won't do his normal practice round routine just because he does know that place so well I I could see him playing nine holes getting a feel for the the firmness of the greens and the speed and then just practicing you know here and there the rest of the week just to keep it keep off his off that leg at this point I I think there's a good chance he's gonna play I I have nothing to base it on other than he hasn't withdrawn yet you know know. he's gonna be there for the champions dinner too that's the thing where he's like even as of and he's not taking up a spot in the field for somebody you know if he's got to pull out Wednesday uh, I think we would all be okay with that as if he's going to entertain it. Uh, you know, I, I've been thinking about this year, all this year, and uh, jokingly say, I think if you've got 82 wins on the PGA Tour, you should be able to take a cart whenever you want it. And obviously that's aimed at one specific guy, but uh, I don't think anybody would be against no. that. No, but he was quick to shut that down, which I was kind of like, man, yeah. we, we could make an exception yeah. for you here. But changes to the golf course this year. Looks like the 11th tee has moved back some, and they've taken out some of the trees down the right side. And uh, the 15th tee has moved back 20 yards. What does that change? That 15th hole in particular, what does 20 more yards do to that golf hole? A lot. A, a, it, it, the biggest thing to me that does is for the long hitters. Because in, in years past, you get the right conditions. Guys have been back to nine and eight irons in there if they get the right conditions. Um, the difference between a seven iron and six iron and an eight or a nine is huge. It's just so much more easy to control those short irons. Obviously, it's going to be diff- more difficult for short hitters as well because now they're going from maybe hybrids to three woods again. I think the big difference is taking taking away the, the short irons into that green. It's just not a hole you should be able to hit a short iron into. So I think adding 20 to that is great. Um, I think the difference between a player hitting a, uh, like a, a three hybrid and a five iron is not huge. The difference between somebody hitting nine iron and a five iron is huge. Yeah. So I think it's going to affect the long hitters the most, putting that extra length on 15. Well, that's what that's a. I say this very frequently on this podcast too. But that's the shot, though. If you you know, there's a crosswalk on 15, and you if you're a uh, patron, you can go and walk down 15 fairway, and you get to see what that wedge shot looks like alone. And then imagine going back 150 yards and trying to hit that shot. Like it is an island green. It doesn't, you know, it, it's not literally an island green, but it plays like an island green, and it is a very, very, very small target to land shots at. So you, to your point of hitting that shot with five iron versus eight or nine iron is entirely different because it's a totally different trajectory and that landing area somehow gets even smaller. It's That's one of the shots out there that I have way more appreciation for seeing in person. So, uh, Right, right, exactly. Uh, any other names jumping off the page to you in terms of not even necessarily odds wise, but value wise or guys that are, you know, you talked about trending, not maybe not mattering as much here. Scotty Scheffler, as we're talking, has risen to number one in the world. Does, does the way he's playing change how you would think his chances may be around Augusta? No, it, 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 it just doesn't. Yep. I think um, Augusta is just a, a, an entity unto itself. Um, and like I said, you want to be playing great coming in. But outside of Tiger, no one has ever really owned this game for long periods of time. And funnily enough, I think sometimes if you play great all year coming into it, um, boy, you're, you're, you're kind of due for a, a little bit of a backslide. It's hard to play good golf week in and week out. And that may be a strange way of thinking about it, but uh, I just feel like you've got X amount of great weeks a year, unless you're Tiger Woods in his prime, you know, you use those, you can use those up. That's how I see it. Listen, there's 10 or 12 guys this year who I look at as even money. I mean, I, I don't, obviously there's betting favorites and, 
and, and long shots. But I think there's literally 10 or 12 guys that I, I wouldn't be surprised one bit to see win. Does Justin Thomas having bones on the bag at Augusta, does that make a difference in your mind? Does that change how you would think about his ability to compete there? Yeah, it would. It would. Just because um, Jimmy Johnson is, is and was a great caddy. But the fact that you can stand next to a guy who's been through everything on that golf course and been successful with his player three times, boy, just I think it might give you another level of confidence, uh, both in, in reading putts, in preparation, in pulling the right club or, or hitting the right shot at the right time. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I think that does give JT a little bit of more a little bit more confidence probably going in. Does Roy McElroy ever win the Masters? <laughs> Oh man. I don't know what my answer to that is anymore for, for, I, I, I don't either. I, I, I want him to. And you know, when he first started playing there, it just seemed like the perfect natural fit and he'd win four or five easily. I, I, the longer you go though, without winning one every year you get there, the pressure gets a little bit bigger when you haven't done it. I think if, if Rory is to win it one year, it'll be a year where his wedge game is perfect it's the it, he tightens it up he's able to flight things more um, and really got control of his wedges I think that's what's hurt him there over the years because he drives it so good he's got so many wedges that if he just just gets a little bit better distance control and flights him a little bit more the, rather than the full high one with lots of spin I think that's when he'll win Augusta so we're, we're hard on him with the wedges and it's, it feels like I keep waiting for the shoe to drop in terms of like, here's what you guys don't understand about this though, blah, blah, blah. And no one can really fill that in, right? No one is like, well, you got to understand this about the wedge play. That's why it's, it's, it is the way it is, or it's better than you think it is. Why, why have we not seen it improve? Like what, what, what would a reasoning be for, you know, this, this, I don't want to is it fair to call it a glaring weakness? I mean, when you're a player at his level and it just seemed like, and we hear a ton about Dustin Johnson, what he's done with his wedge practice and how he's made that a special part of his game. Why, why Rory cares about his golf a lot. Why would that not have evolved to this point? It's a great question. And, um, you know, I, I can't, really give an informed opinion i can give you opinion from the outside in um but i don't have any you know i haven't talked to harry about it haven't talked to rory or his teacher or anybody really about it my only theory would be that and this is not just to rory this is unique to, almost everybody in golf likes to practice what they're good at i think that's a possibility there i think rory may like to practice hitting drivers and long shots more than he likes practicing the wedges. And like I said, it's a guess. I don't have anything factual to back that up, but I've seen it. Hunter Mahan, great run. We had an awesome run together, won a lot of tournaments and, but he really liked to hit balls and, you know, whether it was good or bad, he liked to hit balls. And I used to say, you know, Hey, let's, let's get on the course. You're hitting it. Great. Let's just chip. Let's putt. Let's, let's do one thing or the other. But, but I think all players at all levels like to do what they're good at. And I think that may have something to do with Rory, not improving his wedges to the point that the rest of his game is at. And I've, I've theorized too, that, you know, maybe Augusta, you know, could be a place where the wedges aren't tested as much. Like I, I think Phil has said in the past, like there's no sand wedge shots at, at Augusta, right? It, right. It's, it's a, you know, pitching wedge gap wedges and nine iron. It feels like where you hit a lot of your shots and that's where I wouldn't say he has a weakness there, but he seems like he can compete at that level um, a little bit better if it does, than it does turn into driver wedge. So 
All right, John, thank you so much for joining us, man. Learned a ton about Augusta, about wind, about uh, what, what it takes to win Masters and uh, the top players in the world. This was really insightful and uh, look forward to the best week of the year. So thanks a ton for joining us. Absolutely. My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks, buddy. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything.